Well, this morning we're going to be continuing our series through the book of Ruth. This will be our second uh, sermon as we move through this book. Ruth is a wonderful book that many of you, I'm sure, have read before, or at least you've heard it before. If you've been to a wedding, I'm sure you've heard uh, passages from the book of Ruth because it's very common to use some of the verses, particularly the verse that we're going to be looking at this morning in a wedding. It's a very familiar story, a very short story, uh, and the book of Ruth itself has been praised for its brevity, but yet its ability to have so much packed into it. And as we go through today's message and as we open God's word, I'm going to just do my best to pull some of those truths out of, of what we read. And I realize that I fall very short of just being able to pull out a lot of the truths that are in there because there's, it's so many. But we're going to do our best. And I pray that you're blessed this morning as we open God's word. If uh, this is your first time being with us, again, I want to welcome you. Uh, my name is Pastor Mario, and uh, as I mentioned before, usually I do the worship, and so it is a blessing to be able to stand up here occasionally and open God's Word and, uh, and to preach. So let's do that. If you uh, have your Bible with you, you can turn to the book of Ruth, and we're going to just jump right in, beginning in chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 22 is our text for today. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown kindness to you uh, as you have shown kindness to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who would become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from where, I, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. 
This morning, we will be focusing on this story of Naomi and Ruth returning back to Jerusalem, or returning back to Bethlehem, excuse me, returning back to Judah. If you were here last week or if you're familiar with the story, we learned that Naomi and her family, her husband Elimelech, traveled from the land of Judah, from the land of Bethlehem. They went to Moab because there was a famine in the land. And in Moab, there was plenty. And while they were in Moab, Elimelech and Naomi's sons got two, do- two wives, Orpah and Ruth. And as time progressed, what happened? Elimelech and the two sons died. And so we have here Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah, the three women, without husbands, without a father, without a husband. And the predicament is pretty dire. And the scripture tells us that after a while, Naomi, Naomi determines to return back to Judah, back to her homeland. And as we just read in the story here today, in which we will dissect, she encourages her daughters-in-law to go back to their own land. But what happens? Ruth says, no, I'm going to travel with you. I'm going to go back to Judah. And this is where we pick up our story in this beautiful book of Ruth. And if there was a subtitle to our message this morning, God Redeems Our Hurts, the subtitle to our message this morning would be, What's in a Name? What's in a Name? As we go through our text this morning, I'm going to try to pull out some of those wonderful truths about God that is revealed in this text. Now, the hard part about reading a narrative, a story narrative in the Bible, is that sometimes we can, we can just look for things to pull out of the text, right? Because this story is pretty, pretty clear cut. We have a family in Moab that decides to travel back to Judah, and they arrive in Judah. Right? If we were just to look at the text as a narrative story, sermon's over, let's go home. Let's get ready for the Bills game this afternoon, right? But no. <laughs> there's, there's some depth in here that we want to pull out. And so God, this morning, as we look at the text, we want to understand God redeems our hurts. What's in a name? As we begin this text this morning, we read in verse 6, Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. And so Naomi prepares to travel back. You know, one of the things that's so cool about this passage of Scripture in Ruth is that because it's so short, the author uses the, the words that are written very specifically. Did you catch what the author writes here? When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people. It's so important as we dive into this text this morning that we look at what is being referred to here. The Lord. The scripture here that refers to the Lord is the common name that we would say in English as Jehovah. Or in Hebrew it would be Yahweh. Have you noticed something about your text there about that word Lord? If you're an English teacher here or if you're uh, into grammar, you may notice something very peculiar about that word. Can you point it out to me, anybody? It's all capital letters. Lord. All four letters of that word are in the capital, although it's smaller in our Bibles. This word that is used here, when the Lord appears and has come to Judah, is the word Yahweh that we see used in the Bible. And this is so cool because as you read through this text, you kind of miss that unless you understand what that word means. If you go throughout the whole Old Testament, 6,000 times, over 6,000 times, the name Yahweh is used in the Bible. Now, what's so cool about this name Yahweh? Well, that's God's name. The scripture here in this passage 
is revealing to us that Naomi just doesn't hear about what God is doing, but she hears about what Yahweh is doing, the God of Israel. The first time that we are introduced to this, this term Yahweh, this name Yahweh, is in Exodus chapter 3. At this point in the scripture, Moses is a shepherd out in the, in the wilderness. Moses encounters a burning bush. We're familiar with this story, right? Let's turn to Exodus chapter 3. Moses is out in the wilderness. He's tending the flocks. And he sees something very unique. He sees a burning bush, but yet the bush is not burning. And as Moses goes to check out this burning bush, he's very intrigued by what's happening in this bush, in this scene, and he hears a voice come out of the bush, and it's the Lord God speaking to Moses. And in Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, God says, Do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then God says to, a, to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses asks a question here that maybe many of us would have asked. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, and don't miss this, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, and there it is, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to, re, to be remembered from generation to generation. Did you catch that in verse 15? The Lord, the God of your fathers. This is my name, Yahweh. This was a name that was so revered and even today is so revered by the Jewish people and by the nation of Israel that they wouldn't even pronounce the name Yahweh. In fact, what they would do is they would actually substitute the name Adonai, which means Lord, in place of Yahweh because they wouldn't want to pronounce God's name. Right? We know this because one of the, uh, one of the Ten Commandments is what? Do not misuse the name of the Lord. And so the Jewish people at this time would not use that name Yahweh. And as time progressed, we, this word became, uh, became known as Jehovah. And that's why most of our Bibles will say Jehovah, or as we have in our text this morning, the Lord. But the Lord, the name of God, becomes the covenant name of God here between Moses and between his people and between God. And as we look back at our text in Ruth this morning, what is happening? When Ruth, when, when Naomi hears that the Lord, Yahweh, has come to the aid of his people, she determines that it's time to return back to Judah, to return back to her homeland. 
The God of promises has appeared up, has appeared and shown up. Now, uh, for those of you that don't know, Pastor Brian is doing a complimentary um, uh, sermon series for this. You can go to our SoundCloud account. And Pastor Brian makes a very good point here that we won't get into, but it's very interesting to see the contrast here. That there's a difference between Moab. In the New King James Version, this term Moab is used twice as well as the word Lord. And there's a contrast between Moab and the Lord, the God of the covenant as opposed to Moab. And you almost get this sense of just like the Israelites coming out of Egypt from a foreign land and returning and going to a promised land where the God of covenants is, where the God who keeps his promises is. That's who Naomi is going back to. This reveals a lot to us about Naomi. This reveals a lot to us about who she was and the experience she had while she was in Moab during this time. That she, even though she was in a foreign land, she still trusted in the God of Israel and the God who revealed himself by name and by the name Yahweh, the God of promises. One commentator has, has said that the name Yahweh tells us several important things about God and his identity. First, it shows us that the Lord's character is unchanging. We can say about ourselves, I was so-and-so last year, but now I'm going to be so-and-so next week, and in the future I could be so-and-so. But not our Creator. Yesterday, God says, I am. Today, God says, I am. And tomorrow, God says, I am. He cannot learn any new information or become more holy. None of God's perfections can be subtracted or added to. He can never be anything other than what he is today. There is absolutely no shadow of change in our creator. You know, we, do you have confidence in that? Does that bless you, knowing that our God does not change? That our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the God of promises, the God who keeps his covenants, will be the God of the ages. In the Bible, there are several covenants that we hear of. We see the Adamic covenant in Genesis chapter 1, where God makes a covenant between Adam and himself and says, Adam, you will be fruitful and multiply and have authority over the earth. We see in Genesis chapter 12, where God makes a covenant with Abraham, where he says, Abraham, you'll be the father of many nations. We see the Mosaic covenant, where we just looked at in Exodus chapter 3, where God says, I will draw my people and you will be my people out of Egypt. We see the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 7, where God says, David, I will have someone on the throne for you for all eternity. So God always works in covenants where he keeps his promises, and God is still keeping his promises today. As we go through this rest of this narrative this morning, one of the things that's going to be pointed out is that God repeatedly refers to himself as Yahweh, the God of promises. And in fact, that's what moves this story along. Naomi, you will see, will use this term five times. Ruth herself will come to use the name of God one time. So here's an application for us this morning. Where is your trust? Where is your trust in this life? Is it in the God of promises? Is it in the God who keeps his covenants? Is it in the God who will bring you from the... the the metaphorical Moab and Egypt back to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land where God has appeared. Where is your promise this morning? Where is your hope? Because the Bible tells us that our hope should be in the God 
who keeps his promises, the God who keeps his covenants. As we move on through the text, we see that Naomi, starting in verse 7, begins traveling through the land. And then in verse 8, Naomi says to her two daughters, listen, ladies, you need to go back to your homeland. You need to go back to where you came from. Go back to your families because where I'm headed, there's just nothing for us. I'm bitter. My bitterness in my life is just as much as it is the hardship I'm going through. And what we see here is, is that Naomi says to them in verse 8, she says, may the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. I love this passage of scripture because Naomi doesn't say, when you go back to your homeland of Moab, may your God Chemosh bless you. No. She doesn't say, when you go back to your homeland, I pray that everything works out fine and dandy and you have a wonderful life and everything just happens to go your way. No. What does she say? Naomi says, when you go back to your families, I pray that the Lord, Yahweh, the God of promises, blesses you, essentially, is what she's saying. May you find rest. May you find a husband. She actually pronounces a blessing upon these two women that at this point, we don't know what their faith is. Are they followers of God? Are they not followers of God? We don't have no idea. But Naomi pronounces a blessing on them. This is one of the first times in this book of, of Ruth where Naomi becomes the hero. In this book of Ruth is obviously named after Ruth, right? But the main character in this book actually is Naomi in a lot of sense. It's Naomi who moves the story along. It's Naomi who says things and does things, who encourages her, her daughter-in-law to do things. And Naomi becomes the hero in this book. And we see here that, that, that her, 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 um, her character as a hero begins right here, where she pronounces blessing on these two daughters-in-law of her. And I, the reason I love this, this verse is because, listen, if you, if you have hope in the God of promises, in Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth, you know what? You should be a blessing to those around you. You should be a blessing to those around you. And you should be wanting to bless those around you, whether they're believers or not. Did you know that wherever you are in your life, whether you're a school teacher, um, a worker in an industrial plant, a pastor, a student, whatever you are in your life, wherever God has you at right now, you should be a blessing to those who are around you. You should be, you should be the person that they look at and they see the God of promises. You should be a person, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, who is a blessing to others and that brings light to dark places. We see here that Naomi blesses them verbally. She says, may you go and may the Lord, Yahweh, bless you. I'm not just sending you off hoping that you just have a great life, but I'm praying that the God of heaven and earth blesses you and brings you peace, brings you a husband, and brings you safely into your promised land. Man, I don't know about you, but that's tough sometimes in the world we live in, right? There's so many things that come in our way that, that might prevent us from being a light in a dark place. But it sounds familiar because I think that's what Jesus said, right? He said his, to his disciples one time, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. There's a couple passages in Scripture where 
um, where the righteous bless the unrighteous, if you will, or where the righteous uh, act in accordance with God's will for the sake of the unrighteous. One of those is in, in, in Genesis chapter 18, where God appears to Abraham and reveals to Abraham that he's going to go to Sodom and Gomorrah and destroy the city. And, and Abraham says, God, if there's 50 people in that city, will you destroy that city? If there's 50 righteous people in that city, will you destroy it? And God says, I'll spare that city for the sake of the 50 righteous. And as the story moves on in Genesis 18, it comes down to literally 10 people that, that Abraham and God bargain with. God says, Abraham says, God, if you find even just 10 people, forget 50, what about just 10 people? What if you find 10 righteous people in that city? Will you spare that city? And God says, I'll spare that city for the sake of the 10. And how many does God find righteous in that city? Four. But if there would have been 10, God of the promises would have spared that city. You know, there's a little over 100 people in this auditorium this morning. Imagine if God would use all 100 of us to spare this city, to spare this country from the evil and the things that are happening. Do you believe he would do that? If we stood for righteousness, I believe he would. This is why it's so important, and I don't want to get political, but this is why it's so important that when it comes to things like politics, when it comes to things like culture and influencing culture, we represent Jesus Christ because the light of the world will shine in the dark places. And we have an opportunity as the people of God to be a blessing to those who otherwise would not know God. It doesn't mean that they are saved and the whole world will be saved, but we can be a blessing to those who don't know God. So Naomi in this text, she blesses them. She tells them to go on to her home. But what happens? Verse 9, she kisses them. They wept aloud. Verse 10, and she says, go back to your people. As we move on through the text, Naomi says, you can't follow me. You can't follow me. Why? Because it's not worthwhile to follow me. I can't have any children, and even if I were to get married today, I would, would you stick around and grow old and have children and wait for those children so that you could marry them and be um, part of the family again? And what happens here is that Naomi tells them, listen, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to go back. In fact, if you take a look here in the text, what happens is that Naomi, in verse 13, makes a very interesting statement. She says, would you wait until they grew up, these children, if she would have them? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. Did you catch what she said here? It is more bitter for me than for you in verse 13. Again, looking back at this text and how the brevity of it is and words are so important in this text, this phrase that she uses, it is more bitter for me. Naomi's name actually means pleasant. It means pleasing. It means pleasant. So there's a play on words here where Naomi is saying, listen, even though my name means Naomi and means beautiful and pleasant, it's actually bitter for me in the circumstance I'm in. It's not worth it. 
It's not worth it. And she says, why? Because the hand of the Lord is against me. There's that word again, Yahweh, because Yahweh's hand is against me. In the Bible, we, we read in the, the, the book of the law in Exodus that God, God establishes some rules for the nation of Israel. God says, listen, you're going to have orphans, you're going to have widows, you're going to have foreign aliens in your land. And one of the things that I want you to do with these people, God says to the nation in Exodus several times, is I want you to care for these people. When you go through your fields and you're picking the grains and you're harvesting, if something drops on the floor, I want you to leave it there so that the widow and the orphan and the alien, as they come through, they can gather that up and have food to eat. God says to the nation at one point, listen, every three years I want you to bring a tithe to the, the storehouses. And of the, every three years, that tithe that you bring to the storehouse is actually going to be disseminated and given to the widows, the orphans, and the aliens in your land. And so God, we see here, is a God of compassion. He has concern for these people, for the needy. He has a concern for them. And we know that God is still that same God because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we approach this text in Ruth, what happens? We learn that this is happening during the time of the judges where everybody is doing whatever they wanted. So Naomi, as a woman of God, as a person who came from Judah, knows, listen, I know in the law it says that we, the country and the people should take care of, care of the orphans and the widows. I'm just not sure if that's happening anymore because it's the time of the judges and everybody's doing their own thing. And so you can see why she's so bitter. Well, first of all, she lost her husband and her two sons, but also because she's going back to an uncertain fate. She's not really sure if she can uh, have the life that she lived when she returns back. And she doesn't want the same life on her two daughters-in-law. Being foreigners, being widows, would the nation, would the people take care of them? Would, would there, there's uncertainty in her life. And so she tries to convince her daughters to turn back. Have you ever felt emotionally drained in your life? Have you come to a place in your life where you just think this is the end of the road? Where this is it. I don't know if I can make it another day, God. There's, there's no hope in my life. It's bitter. Life is sour. I don't know if I can carry on on this road anymore. Can I tell you this morning, the God of hope, the God of promises, the God who was the same yesterday, today, forever, he's present. And he wants to be the God of your life, the God who is present in your life. And there is hope. There is joy. There is redemption in Jesus for our hurts. This week, there was a tragedy that happened for it. Excuse me. There's a tragedy that happened to a very famous Christian singer. His son died. Many of you may have seen that in the news. And... Uh, the tragedy is just so sad when you see when, when his son had passed away. And what's ironic is that he had recently written a song about, about his son and about the struggles they had. And the lyric in the song that he wrote says, listen, lift your head up to where your help comes from. Lift your head up to where your help comes from. Because our help comes from God. The God of promises. The keeper of the promises. So wherever you're at today in your life, because we're all going to have struggles, lift your head up today 
to the God of promises. Lift your head up to the God who keeps his promises and who is faithful. Moving through the text, verse 14, as they wept, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. It's just a beautiful image of an individual acknowledging and confessing the God of promises here. As I mentioned earlier, um, Ruth here, for the first time, uses in our text the name of God, Yahweh. She begins by saying, your people will be my people and your God, my God. And it's so important, excuse me, <coughs> it's so important we don't miss this. She says, your God will be my God. In the Bible, the term Elohim is used to refer to God. And in a sense, and I want to make sure you hear me right, it's a, it's a, it's a term that's used as a title for God. It's even used for foreign gods, for little g gods. It's used in a sense of, um, of a generic kind of sense of God. So when people just say, oh, do you believe in God? Or, um, you know, it's that, that just a title of God. And this is what, what Ruth says here. Your God will be my God. Your Elohim will be my Elohim. Where you die, I will die. And then she says, may Yahweh deal with me, be it ever so severely. So she, Ruth goes from, may God in general be my God, but may Yahweh, the God of promises, may he deal with me ever so severely. She makes a verbal confession here of the God of promises. She makes a verbal confession here of the name of God, Yahweh. And in a sense, you could say this is Ruth's conversion where she now acknowledges the God of heaven and earth. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's something about verbally confessing, making an acknowledgement, a verbal confession, not just having that warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart about a belief in God, but confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about that that transforms you and changes you. There's something about that that is different than just intellectually having a knowledge of God, but now having heart knowledge and allowing that God to work in your life. And here we see that, that Ruth in this moment confesses with her mouth, Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth. What's in a name? There's power in a name. What's in a name? Yahweh the God of all redemption, the God of all power, the God of heaven and earth, the God of all promises. And she confesses that. And she says, I will not leave you. I will be with you and your God will be my God. Amen. This is such a beautiful statement. It's such a beautiful confession that we see here. And it's a confession that all of us should make in our life. May God be our God and, may, and his name is Yahweh. May we follow him and be it 
May the Lord deal with me ever severely if anything but death separates you and me. That's a commitment for life that she's making. She's not just saying, I'm going to follow you and when it doesn't feel right, I'm going to just turn away and not follow God anymore. She's saying, I'm going to be with you until the day I die, until the day I go to the grave, I will follow you and I will serve your God. And that's the confession that all of us should make in our life, that we will follow God until the day of death. And so the two women, they leave, they leave Moab, they travel to Judah. And it says in verse 19, so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? They had been gone so long that maybe they didn't recognize her. Maybe because of the famine. Maybe they didn't recognize her because her bitterness, her hardship had changed her. Right? They say that the years age you and when you go through trials and tribulations, it changed the way her appearance looked. And what does Naomi say? She says it one more time. Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me beautiful. Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mera. And here's that word again, bitterness. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. We see a repetition here of that idea that she is in anguish, she is in pain, she is suffering, her life is bitter. Things are not the way they should be. Have we experienced that in our life? Yes, most of us have. Maybe all of us in here have experienced those heartaches in life. But what does Naomi say? She says, I went back, but the Lord has brought me back. The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Even though she's gone through all of these things, who does she still credit with her experience? She still credits everything to God. The hardships she credits to God. And she doesn't deny his hand in her life. She refers to God as Almighty, Shaddai. Many of you have heard of that word, El Shaddai, Almighty, God Almighty. This is that word, Shaddai, the Almighty God has done this to me. I'm bitter, but yet... I'm still following after God. No matter where we are in our life, no matter what circumstances we face, do we have enough faith to trust that whatever we're going through in our life, it is God himself who is walking with us through that circumstance. Because if we do have that faith, then we can trust in the promise keeper himself that he will deliver us no matter where we may be. And then this verse, this chapter closes by saying, Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law. Again, we have the, the, the indication that Moab is repeated again. They returned from Moab, just like the Israelites came to the promised land. They came out of Egypt into the promised land. So we see that Naomi and Ruth leave Moab and go into the land of Judah. They return arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And the author sets up what's going to happen in the next few texts, next few passages. As we close this morning, the band can make their way up. As we close this morning, it would be, it would be amiss if we didn't take a look at what this means for us. And I think there's a lot of application points that I've brought up. But there's one more that I think we need to address. 
Turn with me, if you will, to the book of John, chapter 8, verses 48. This morning, our sermon title is, God Redeems Our Hurts. And we see through our text that God has redeemed Naomi. He's brought her back to the the promised land, back to Judah. And as I said, the subtitle of our sermon today could have been, What's in a Name? What's in a Name? And here, we have a wonderful picture of Jesus making a crazy declaration. Verse 48 of John chapter 8. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my Father, and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father whom you claim as your God is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, don't miss this here. Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. Let me read that one more time. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus at this point takes the name of God, Yahweh, and applies it to himself. They picked up stones and tried to stone Jesus because they knew the extent to what he had just confessed to them. Listen, folks, this morning... God is a God of promises. He always has been, and He always will be. As we come to a place in this morning where we reflect on that, I pray that God is real in your life. I pray as we've opened His Word this morning that His truth has been real to you, and that He's spoken to you, and that the God of promises, Yahweh, the God of ages, would be real in your heart, that you would make a verbal confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. As our ushers come forward this morning, we're going to receive our offering. And we can take a moment to close our eyes, to bow our heads. Just take a moment, speak to God in your own heart, wherever you're at. Ask Him to be the God of promises in your life. Ask Him to be with you and to guide you and to lead you in the circumstances you find in your life. Wherever you may be, the God of redemption is here. And let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this time that we can be here. 
Thank you for this time of opening your word. Lord, we come to a place where we are grateful for your love. We are grateful for the fact that you are the God of all promises. You are faithful to Naomi. You are faithful to Ruth. You are faithful to us this morning. And how do I know that? Because 2,000 years ago, a man died on a cross for my sin. And the Bible says, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. And so there's no doubt in my mind that you are the God of promises because you kept your promise, the promise of redemption through Jesus Christ. Lord, wherever we are at today in our life, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray you draw us close to yourself. Let us be in a place where we can make that confession that Ruth made. Bless these tithes and offerings as they're given, and I give you all the praise in Jesus' name.